Hot Press Podcast presents all the way from the literary and musical town of Listowel in County Kerry, Backstage at Mike the Pies. A podcast presented by Megan O'Donoghue. You're listening to Backstage at Mike the Pies, the podcast with Megan O'Donoghue. Welcome, David Kitt. Thanks. Thanks a million for joining me. Um, so you're an Irish musician and producer. You're from the capital, but a little tweety bird told me it's your first gig in Kerry as a resident. As a resident, yeah, I'm living in Balance Skellix uh, since, since the end of since September, basically. Yeah, I came down to do a uh, artist residency in Kilreadic, head on Bolleshead, and uh, and and I've stayed. So that was kind of the plan. I was hoping to find somewhere, and uh, yeah, I'm staying in Balance Skellix Village. So yeah, it's great. I've always wanted to live in Kerry, so it's. Uh, Kind of a little bit of silver lining of coronavirus uh, circumstances. One of very few yeah, silver linings to come from COVID. Um, so how did you get into music? Um, I just, I, 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 I can't remember not being into music, do you know what I mean? So it's really just a case of growing up around it. My dad used to sing to me when I was, you know, when I got back from the hospital, so I've heard the sound of an acoustic guitar is something that's been there since pretty much day one. Mm. Um, and my dad and all his brothers sang, still do. All my aunts sing. My mum's family are quite musical. Um, my mum's very musical, so it's it's just been there since day one. Um, and then I suppose I got into recording. The first big revelation was just being able to press record on a tape recorder and hear your voice played back to you. Yeah. Um, and I just got obsessed with that. Uh, so that's how it started. And then I got a four track w- around when I was about 14. And that was, you could record one thing and then record more things on top of it. And I think that's probably the thing that fascinates me most to this day is being able to record your voice and record a harmony vocal and layer things up. And yeah. that's still probably the greatest source of kind of mystery and magic and you know for uh, to this day and who are your influences I mean you say that you come from a musical background but kind of in the music industry who'd be up um, there I guess produce like yeah, it's so varied I mean I, I, it's just uh you know, I would have been into r- bands when I was a kid more, and I was in I was in bands and more kind of noisy, but ba- like you know, early on stuff like My Bloody Valentine and mm. Dinosaur Junior. Um, then got into probably more singer songwriter. I I inherited my aunt's record collection when I was thirteen, so that was like a head start into like a real overview of everything. She had a lot of Bob Dylan, JJ Cale, Velvet Underground, David Bowie. Um, a lot of music and history like yeah probably yeah. about 150 albums so I got them all in one go and mm. that was just like a that was an amazing starting point there's records that I still listen to all the time from that bunch and I guess then it was probably getting into hip hop when I was about 15 was a massive thing um, and that stayed with me all my life and then getting more into kind of stuff like Kraftwerk and Aphex Twin a bit later and and then it's just like I think the 90s in particular was an amazing time for 
like to be a teenager and in your yeah. 20s because there was just such an amazing kind of melting pot of you know everyone listened to guitar bands and electronic stuff and kind of hip-hop and it was it's been more maybe compartmental i think in some ways the eclectic thing has really come back around now i see it with a lot of the kids now that like some of the like the guys who work in all city in dublin and they're you know they pride themselves on their eclecticism or something but it's uh it was a really healthy time i thought really the 90s you know surprisingly looking back the late 80s 90s yeah what is your favorite song to perform live um it changes with the occasion um i mean i'm doing a, a retrospective at the moment of 20 songs from my back catalog so i've spent a lot of time thinking about songs i've already written yeah. Um, and if I had to pick a song that was the best musically, I think it would probably be "Step Outside in the Morning Light." There's just something about that song that I was like, "How the fuck did I do that?" I don't. I, I actually couldn't. Ne I've never been able to get close yeah. in terms of the way the melody goes and the way the song's structured and like I, it just came out all in one go and and things like that. Just that was 23, 23 years ago. So like, you know, it's. I can see it now and I think maybe I thought the lyrics were I had it got a bit cringy with the lyrics but now I kind of like them again you go through phases where you start to be embarrassed about a particular period of your life and then you actually feel more proud of it and it's just shifts all the time so lyrically um I don't know I mean I, I like a lot of the songs on my last record but that's kind of always the way you feel I think maybe the ones that you're closest to writing um like even song like song from Hope street i i never rated that song because i wrote it when i was 20 so again yeah. it's like there's an element of diary entry to it or something that makes you a little bit cringy or something but um yeah it's hard to pick a favorite it, it's all, it constantly changes i mean i don't go around all the time <laughs> going, what's my favorite song <laughs> thinking about it yeah. every day um so i mean you've performed in some pretty cool venues and, and festivals included in your time um what's been your favorite festival and gig um i've played royal albert hall a few times cool. and that's pretty fucking amazing because yeah. you're, you're you know when the lights are off and it's just this giant black abyss you know and you can hear your voice going out into it. And I've played it on my own. I played it like support and tinder sticks. So, you know, it's just when people, it's kind of half full. So it's extra boomy or something or cavernous. Or um, I played it playing with David Gray as well, which is really funny because I came on and my guitar amp was working. And a friend of mine said I looked like a Brazilian footballer who'd been just caught offside but it wasn't actually offside and I was holding up my hands going, what the fuck's going on with my amp so they all came on to fix fix my stuff quite so that was a, that was a, that was a time in Royal Albert Hall that was a bit more stressful but uh, I've played yeah I was really lucky playing in David Gray's band I play, got to play a lot of yeah. um, amazing venues all over the states like uh, Merriweather Post Pavilion all that kind of stuff and then uh, but yeah festival wise we did Glastonbury in 2002 and 2004 and I remember when we went back in 2004 we, we were like there's no way we can top the last time yeah 
and we did and it was just I'd been touring the States with Emiliana Torini and I got back in and I hadn't seen Richie or Maddie or Brian Quinn or the guys in my band I hadn't seen them for two months and they got there on the Friday and got stuck into the messing and I arrived on the Saturday and we all got stuck into the messing and then we did a gig on the Sunday feeling a little bit tender and kind of very much in festival mode yeah and we got on stage the tent was a third full and by the time it got to about the fourth song it was completely full of art mainly irish people and there were irish flags and it was, i mean it was a it was a very much a kind of a an irish thing at an english festival yeah it's like playing at home it was very much like playing at home and and the glastonbury crowd is a special type of irish people as well as english people i guess so yeah. that was magic that was i introduced maddie and richie song early so they weren't actually supposed to be coming out until <laughs> the next song and they're like what the fuck do you want me to do want us to do on that i was like you'll be fine or whatever so and everything just worked they like they actually played a blinder on a song that they hadn't even heard not to mind rehearsed yeah so um yeah that was a special one would you like to play something kind of acoustic yeah this is a new song so i'm doing it very differently in the show so I'll try it in uh, this way Disasters news Spent the day in bed With undercovers blues I saw the look of rain In the eye of the morning sun These weeds I can't contain My mind is over Half of my life, no fear for me and my good wife. I mop the floor with bleach, I soak my hands into they are all out of. Nothing here to do. I've rearranged the chairs. Books alphabetized. No answer to my prayers. Just yesterday reprised. No fear. For just one day of my life. Good wife, so pipe down, brother. No need to pick a fight. You'll find no peace in a quarrel. You'll get no sleep at night. Listen to your sister. 
Why don't you heed her advice? It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. No fear. No fear. No fear. No fear. So I suppose moving on now, um, you so you studied. Uh, postgrad in music tech how did that go for you it was great i mean it was a very early course it was the second year of the course in trinity so it was still quite an experimental stage they were just still finding their feet with the course mm. which is quite exciting for the people who were running the course you could feel their excitement um, and it was dermot furlong came from the school of engineering he was a guitar he was a musician more of a hobby kind of musician who just became obsessed with like, you know, playing a chord and holding it up to his ear and, and, you know, hearing all the different harmonics and what made up, what produced the sound and the, the actual physics of psychoacoustics is what he taught. So it was about the interaction of sound with spaces and physical bodies and resonating bodies and the maths of it. And he brought that math to life and that was very much that was probably my favorite part of the course. Yeah. He just had this way of explaining things and his enthusiasm for it was really magical to listen to and really inspiring. And he was able to train your ears. He almost did it without you noticing. He just he just had this passion for the subject that that, uh, you know, and he was I guess there was just this early romantic kind of st stage of it for him. So it was just a really inspiring thing to be around. And then you had more experimental composers like Dunica Dennehy, who came from the School of Music, who were more, I guess, avant-garde. Uh, some of it wasn't quite for me, but it was really interesting to be around and to be exposed to a lot of that music. It was an education. Completely. You know, there's a lot of people from the School of Music would basically spend 15 minutes writing the piece and then they'd spend three weeks writing about the piece yeah whereas i would spend two weeks writing the piece and then spend 15 minutes writing about it you know so there's a theory side to that modern academic kind of art uh, music that i don't fully get but it's still uh there's still some really great ideas within it you know and because the course didn't you didn't need an undergraduate degree to get into the course yeah. it was a really colorful mix of all sorts of people so i learned as much from the people who were in my class as as i did from the the lecturers yeah. half the time you know yeah. and it was just great going to the pub with all these really interesting people yeah. so I mean, when I, I did an undergrad in uh, music tech and production yeah. in LIT, and uh, I was 17, wow. just going off after leaving search straight into it. Wow. I was the baby of the class, I always yeah. was. Yeah, and yeah. there was 38 of us. Jesus, wow. <laughs> so uh, I was there, and there was people like, and you know, they'd be absolutely insane, absolutely insane. So um, I found that I've, I learned just as much from them as I did. Absolutely. From the yeah. lectures even. Yeah. And even my lectures were absolutely cracked. I mean the most loveliest people. Yeah. And I mean, they'd even come out for a drink or so with us. Yeah, and uh, same in ours, yeah. I mean yeah. the bond I think between the music tech crew and you've probably found this 
I don't know, the band was kind of different compared to what you saw with other classes and with other courses like business and things. Yeah, so, um, absolutely, yeah. I think even the bond made the learning experience kind of stronger. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And say what you learnt from your time doing the music tech, did did it kind of influence on your experience now compared to what you bring onto the stage? I think it was just training my ears. I, I genuinely think I think college in general, academic stuff teaches you to take in loads of information and try and reduce it to less information yeah. like write an essay or something but i think that course i think if it, if i took away anything it was just the way i hear me i hear the separate parts of music you know like the separate parts of a of an individual sound mm. and what makes it how to identify the different parts of it so it was a kind of a subtle thing i suppose but to me it was probably just a bridge between like my parents really wanted me to have a master's you know and yeah. I, it was a bridge between still kind of them not freaking them out but then when i got it i actually got a record deal in my second before i was about to go into second year and i, I think they accepted that as a as a that kind was okay of a, to leave it's okay to leave it yeah yeah what do you love about being a musician in ireland um i think it's just other musicians i think it's just other people i think there's a really amazing scene of uh, individuals, groups, um, attitude. You know, there's a just in all sectors of music now. I mean, the trad scene is obviously going through a big revival. Mm. You know, in a kind of more public kind of way. I suppose it's never really gone away underground, but the uh, underground electronic scene is really healthy at the moment as well and there's just a uh, festival like something like open ear i suppose um you know these kind of smaller festivals you just get there's just a lovely sense of community when you play them mm. um you did body and soul body and soul yeah there's like you know there's just so many springing up now i mean open ear for me would probably be the one that's probably closest to my taste or something but the you know you know a lot of the people playing but they really blow you away with their shows you know yeah. so it's not just a case of showing up for your friends just because they're your friends or your people you know there's just there's a genuinely uh exciting kind of active progressive scene i suppose at the moment but apart from that it's a tough country to try is, and make a living yeah. unfortunately yeah yeah i mean even if you look at the uk the kind of the support i'd say like there's a uk mental health fund and everything and there's a whole support system around the mental health of a musician that's yeah all over the uk i mean it's such a pity that we don't have that here yeah yeah. i yeah. mean the government are only trying to get something like a basic wage now for musicians yeah, and yeah. artists yeah which should be set in con concrete already absolutely yeah, you know yeah, yeah. so it's definitely something to improve in the industry definitely um so let's talk about new jackson yeah what can listeners expect I mean, I guess it's always been there. They've always both been there, you know. So it's not for me. It's just um, maybe I found around there was a point about ten, twelve years ago where I felt like I was trying to fit too many ideas into the one thing. Mm. So I tried to streamline it a bit, where I tried to simplify it and yeah. tried to find the strengths of the different bits and really kind of focus on those strengths and maybe amplify that and not water down each one by trying to fit them all into the one thing mm. um, and that's slowly become eight different things because I do a lot of other things other than New Jackson and J 
just the day the kids stuff. Um, so it's really just, yeah, it's like, you know, when you put too many things into the one, too many spices in the one meal, it's yeah. you can't taste any of them. Exactly. So it's like trying to have just very, those strong flavors give them room for, you know, for themselves. I'm not going to take this analogy any further, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's been a while since you've been here in my place. What do you love about performing in a venue like my place? Um... Well, it's nicer when there's people here. I mean, I know there's six <laughs> people here, but uh, I I guess it's just, I don't know. I mean, t- the west of Ireland for me is there's something special about the people, the place, the atmosphere. Um, I guess the history of a place like this, yeah. you know, like I could spend a week here and talk to Aidan about his family and, and the history of the building and, and p- everyone who's been through here and all that's happened. I mean, so... You know, you always leave wanting a bit more of that. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's it. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's very much a historical venture when you step inside the door here in Mike's. It really is. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Even my own grandfather performed yeah. on the stage back, wow, no back in the day. What did he play? The accordion. Wow, amazing. Yeah, so it even brings you back and kind of even seeing the pictures on the walls. Yeah. And everything. It really so. does. Yeah. Um, so I have to ask you. Yeah. If you had to perform anywhere in the world, yeah. where would you rather be? Hmm. I'd rather be in Mike the Pies. You know I don't want to know 
better watch your step. There are dangerous maybe. So hard to forget. You know I don't want to know. You know I don't want to know. You know I don't want to know. You know I don't want to Backstage at Mike the Pies was produced and presented by Megan O'Donoghue for Hot Press Podcasts.